We have made our way through Romans over the past four months. And when we started this series, I warned you that this letter changes lives, that this letter changes churches, and we have seen some victories through this letter. We've seen some wonderful things. We've seen hearts change. We've seen lives change. It's been deep at times. It has been fun. I told you when I started this that I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do Romans, and yet now I'm ready to do it all over again. I would launch right back in and start back at the very beginning if I could. There's so much in this letter that is foundational to what we believe. There is some deep stuff here. There's some heavy stuff here. Some people call Romans the Christian manifesto. And if you hear the word manifesto, I'm like, oh, I don't know how my brain's going to wrap around a, a manifesto. It's, that's just too big. That's too much. And so it seems very strange when we get here to the end, we get to chapter 16, and it's not what we would expect. Instead, it is a series of personal greetings. It is a, a list of names, names of people that Paul cared about, names of people uh, cared about that, that, that Paul knew, people who, uh, who were a big part of his life. And it's, a, it's an essential reminder to us that, that this gospel is not just about what we know, and it's not just about what we believe, but it's about who we are together. And it's about what we have in our community, what it is that binds us together, that makes us one, and together gives us the victory. So we're in Romans 16 today. If you're using those Bibles that we provide for you, it's page 500 and, or excuse me, page 950. There's been a lot of information. There's been a lot to take in, a lot of, a lot of big words. And uh, I can't possibly expect you to remember everything that we've looked at. So I want to wrap up this series with the same encouragement that Paul gave to the original audience. I want you to see that it's personal. It's personal to you. So above all else, what we've, what we've seen here in, in Romans, above all else that we've seen, of all these things, I wouldn't want you to forget, first of all, don't forget your people. Don't forget the people that God has blessed you with. If you read the first 16 verses of this chapter, it reads like a roll call of the Roman church. There's a bunch of names here. A lot of them we don't know. Many of them we can't really pronounce. And yet here they are for all eternity. These people have been recorded for all eternity, memorialized in the Word of God. And what we learn isn't just their names, but their significance to Paul. Why he loved these people. Why they were important to him. And I think if you look at that, you'll get a glimpse of why we're important to each other. He starts out, well, in verse 3. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. We, we're, we know these names. We've heard these before. This is Priscilla and Aquila, your, your Bible may actually say. And we know them from the book of Acts. They, they worked alongside Paul. They taught alongside Paul. They were tent makers like Paul. They supported each other. He says in verse 4, that they risked their necks for his life. And then in verse 5, we have Epinetus, who is the first convert in Asia, the very first Christian in all of Asia. He must have been a man of amazing faith, a man who changed his world through his faith. Verse 7, he says, Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known 
to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Well known to the apostles. Your Bible may actually say they are outstanding among the apostles. And there's been some question as to whether these two were actually apostles. Well, whether they were apostles or not, their faith rivaled the faith of those who walked with Jesus, those who knew Jesus. Verse 10, he wishes greetings upon the family of Aristobulus. Who is Aristobulus? He was the grandson of Herod the Great. Do you remember Herod the Great? Herod the king who wanted to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem. He wanted to squash this whole Messiah thing right now. There wasn't going to be another king. Herod was king. The grandson of Herod, Herod the Great was a believer and was a member of the church in Rome. Verse 11, he wants to greet Herodian. Herodian, his, he says, is my kinsman. He's my relative. And it's interesting to consider that Paul, as a Pharisee, abandoned his faith. He must have been abandoned by his family, and yet at some time later, we have a, a kinsman. We have a relative of Paul's who is a member of the church in Rome. And he says in verse 13, greet Rufus. You know who Rufus was? Rufus had a brother named Alexander. Rufus's father's name was Simeon. And when we read the Gospel of Mark, we find that Rufus's father, Simeon, carried the cross for Jesus. You remember that story? Rufus and his brother Alexander and Simeon are there for Passover. They pass, Jesus collapses, and, and Simeon is ordered to pick up and carry the cross. Rufus and his brother were witnesses to the crucifixion. He is a member of the church in Rome. And then you look at the terms of endearment that Paul uses here. He calls them beloved. He says they are hard, worker. He's hard workers. He says they are my kinsmen. He says they are my beloved. He speaks of Mary, who worked hard, for the, who worked hard in the Lord. He speaks of Rufus, who is chosen in the Lord. And then he says, greet Rufus's mother, because she has been a mother to me as well. And I could tell you women in this church who have been like mothers to me. One of them who is a mother to me, but there's others too who have been like mothers to me. And then he says in verse 16, you love verse 16 here, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. You know, we we joke about that. We get a little awkward about that. Well, we're going to greet each other with a holy kiss. What's, what's that about? It, that's not something that we do in our culture. And, you know, we're not one of those kissy people. You know, we're, we don't do that. We're not, we're not a kissy people. But I want you to realize, greet one another with a, with a holy kiss. A kiss, you greet with a kiss. That's a family thing, isn't it? You greet one another and your family with a kiss. So what's that say about this church in Rome when he says greet one another with a holy kiss. He's saying you share the same hope, you share the same peace, you share the same Lord. Greet one another with a kiss. A lot of these people had left their families, had, le had, a, had been abandoned by their families when they accepted faith in Christ. And he says, greet one another with a kiss. Make sure that everyone knows that they are not abandoned. I think about this. I think about these verses, and I, I think about you guys. I think about our our church, I think about our community. And I wonder, who would be on your list? Who would be on your list? Who is beloved of you? Do they know that they are beloved of you? Do they know that they're on your list? They should know that. 
Who has been like a mother to you? Who could you encourage and say, and say, God has chosen you, Susie. God has chosen you. Who would you say that to? This is why we don't just have Sunday morning worship and then go home. This is why we have potlucks, so that we get to know each other a little better. So we get to spend some of that time together. This is why we have men's night. This is why we have ladies' fellowship. This is why we have classes. This is why we have youth groups to build those relationships so that you realize you're not alone, that you have family here. You know, it, it's not safe to go alone. So consider that those that God has surrounded you with, they are your family. So don't forget your people. And then Paul continues on, and he reminds us, don't forget your purpose. Now this is where the letter gets a little heavy. It's not just personal, but he also gives us personal warnings and personal encouragements. This letter has been all about the gospel. It's been all about the good news. It's been all about the message that the church is carrying into the world. And we've seen that we have a responsibility to hear the gospel. We have a responsibility to obey it in our own lives, to live it out. And we have a responsibility to pass it on as well. And so he reminds us here at the end, don't forget your purpose. And realize not everyone that you encounter has the same purpose. Not everyone you encounter has the same desire for the gospel. Not everyone you encounter has the same goals, so don't let them distract you. Look at verses 17 and 18. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Now, wait just a minute. That doesn't sound very Christian, does it? That doesn't sound very Christian. Avoid them? We're supposed to avoid some people? That doesn't sound very Christian at all. But it's a command. It is a command. We are commanded Keep your eye on them, watch out for them, but you avoid those people. You keep away from them. Don't give them any inroads into your life. Don't give them any inroads into the congregation because what they're doing is destructive. They will try to be your friends. It says in verse 18, with smooth talk and flattery, they're going to tell you what what you want to hear. But you know what happens? You hear one thing. And I hear something else. And we got to wonder after a while, what's the truth? What's really the truth? What's really going on here? Now, Paul is adamant, don't let them do it. Don't let them take your attention off the gospel. Don't let them pull you away from your purpose. Don't let them steal your joy. Don't let them steal my joy. Instead, in verse 19, he says, For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be as wise, I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. You will be known by your obedience. You'll be known by your obedience to Christ. You'll be known by your obedience to the, go- the gospel. You'll be known by your obedience to your purpose. And so he says, be wise as to what is good. Know what is good. 
Know what is good when you see it. Seek what is good and do what is good. You should be all about things that are good. Be wise as to what is good. And then he says, be innocent as to what is evil. And I want you to hear me very clearly on this. Be innocent as to what is evil. There is stuff that happens in this world that you don't need to know about. Right? There is stuff that goes on in this world that you don't need to know about. And I guess I'm getting to that age. I'm getting up there. I'm getting to that age where every now and then I hear a word that I've never heard before. And I, I'll say, what, 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 is that, what is that word? And you know, there, there's always someone who says, <laughs> you don't know what that means. Oh, for crying out loud. Where have you been? You, you living under a rock? You don't know what that word means? Twerking. What, you know, twerk? What is twerk? And, and, you know, when I was a kid, my dad, he, he went twerk. As far as I know, that, that's it. But that's not what twerk means anymore. And you'll sit there and you'll go, what does twerk mean? And you'll, you'll pull out your phone and you'll Google it, twerk. And let me tell you something. There are things that you cannot unlearn. That which has been seen cannot be unseen. And Paul says, don't let anyone put you down because you don't know what the kids are calling it these days. Don't let anyone put you down because you're out of touch and you don't know what all those words mean, be proud of yourself when you don't know what all those words are. Be happy that you don't know. That stuff needs to be so far removed from you that it is a foreign language. And if it is, then good for you. Paul says, I rejoice over you. I want you guys to know that I rejoice. I rejoice over you too. I tell people stories about you guys. Two weeks ago, I got a phone call from a guy, and he said, hey, we're going to be praying for your church this week. He, uh, he said, we're going to be praying up at uh, Pleasant Meadows. He says, we're going to be praying. You guys are our church of the week, and we're going to be praying for you guys. Can you tell me something that's going on in Kansas, and we'll be praying for you? I said, can I tell you stuff that's going on in Kansas? Let me tell you what's happening in Kansas. And I told him about all kinds of things. I told him about the, the lunches that we provide for the kids and the prayer time that the kids are doing. I told him about the men's group. I told him about the ladies' group. I told him about the, 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 the ladies' uh, retreat that's coming up, all kinds of stuff that are happening. And, and I got emails back this week from people that work there and saying, wow, there's some great things happening at your church. We've been praying for you. And I tell people about you guys. I, I tell them wonderful things. I rejoice over you. I rejoice at, at how far we've come. Your elders, your elders, when we get together, we rejoice over you guys. You are beloved. You are chosen. You are accepted. You are doing great. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not. Don't forget your people. Don't forget your purpose. Your purpose is that you are here to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. You are here to live such obedience that you do not conform to this world, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, but that you are being transformed into this new worshiping being. And then he reminds us, don't forget our people. Don't forget your purpose. Don't forget your promise. Verse 20, Romans chapter 16, verse 20, is an incredible promise 
of victory for you. And if you don't have it underlined in your Bible, you should. You should have a star right next to it. You should have it memorized. In fact, we should read it together. I want you to read it. Look at the big screen. Read it out loud with me together. Ready? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Read it one more time. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And then just so you remember, there. Can you remember that? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You realize what Paul's doing there is he's appropriating for you the very first promise of the coming of Christ. Way back in Genesis, after the fall of man, after Adam and Eve have sinned, after, after they've been given their curses, God addresses Satan. He addresses the serpent. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the offspring of the woman. But put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, or he shall crush your head, but you shall bruise his heel. In other words, you'll hurt him. You will hurt my son a little. You will, you will bruise his heel, but he, he will crush you. He will walk all over you in victory. These are these are my emergency shoes. They normally sit in the back of my Jeep, and if my Jeep ever gets stuck, I have these so I don't get my good shoes dirty and disgusting. They are main hunting shoes, and they are heavy. And when I think about crushing something, I don't want to crush them with my good shoes. I want to crush them with my work shoes. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Paul's not just saying this about Jesus, though. He's saying it about you. It's, it's a promise from Christ. It's a promise of the coming of Christ, but it's not just about Jesus. He's saying of you. He is appropriating Jesus' victory for you. You remember back in, in Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. In the same way that you, through faith in Christ, have appropriated victory over death, through faith, you have appropriated victory over Satan. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You have inherited that victory. And it's an amazing promise. First of all, it's a divine victory. Did you notice that? The God of peace will crush Satan. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. So God is doing it. But it's also personal. Under your feet. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Under your feet. Your feet as you're standing together with each other. Your feet as you're supporting each other. Your feet as you're walking away from sin and, and walking away from temptation. Your feet as you're running away from those that cause divisions, that are trying to split you up, those, those that are trying to sow discontent in the church. Avoid them walking away from temptation. And your feet while you're busy spreading the good news, as he tells us in Romans chapter 10, how beautiful on the mountaintops are the feet of those who bring good news. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. <laughs> so when is soon? That's why I want to know. I don't, I don't like the word soon. If I say, hey, when's dinner? And I hear soon, that doesn't tell me anything. I want a time. I want to know when dinner is. I want to, 
I want to be ready. I don't want to hear soon. I want to know exactly when it is. So the God of peace will soon crush Satan. When is soon? And I have some people say, well, Brett, you have to understand. With God, a, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. You mean a thousand years? I may have to wait a thousand years for, for my soon? That, that's lame. That's not a promise. That's not a promise for me. God says, Brett, I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. And I say, innocent as to what is evil. Okay, God, I'll do that soon. As soon as I'm done. <laughs> no. God wants you to be as wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil now. Let me tell you what soon is. Soon is as soon as you take your stand against the devil. As soon as you take your stand against him, you have the victory. Soon is as soon as you say no to temptation, you have the victory. As soon as you walk away from sin, you have the victory. And as soon as you're ready to give yourself to Christ, as soon as you're ready to say, yes, I believe this stuff and I'm going to take Jesus as my Lord, as soon as you do that, you have the victory. There are a few things that bug me worse. I'm going to complain here for a minute. There are a few things that bug me worse than Christians that go around afraid all the time. The Christians that, that walk around in fear, and, and I see it constantly. I constantly see Christians that are afraid. Uh, you know, the, you know, what, what's the devil going to do now? Uh, I'm scared. You know? and we're, we're afraid of society. Oh, things are getting so much worse. Things are just getting bad. You see what the politicians, you see what they're doing in Washington? Uh, you see what they did up at the U of I this week? Uh, you know, it's going to come get us. Yeah, the God of peace, peace, will soon crush Satan under your feet. What are you afraid of? Is there, is there a greater promise out there that the devil's got that you don't have? I mean, are you, you hear me? You hear what I'm saying? What are you afraid of? <sighs> Verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan. You know what bothers me worse than Christians that are afraid? Christians that give up. Christians just say, well, it's gotten so bad. The world's gone to hell. Nothing we can do about it. I guess we'll just have to hold on. I'm afraid they're going to get us. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You believe that? I'm going to get loud. I promise. Do you believe that? Let me give you another one. Let me just throw this one out there, too. It kind of goes along with that one. Go back to, if you, you don't have to turn there, but write this one down because you want to remember this one too. You want to go back to Isaiah 54, verse 17. I guarantee some of you know it. If I start reciting it, you will say part of it. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you will succeed or prosper. Either way, you're reading it off of your iPad, aren't you? Yeah. No weapon formed against me will prosper. That's a great promise. No weapon formed against you will prosper, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. What are you afraid of? What are we scared of? Why are we just sitting here? Why aren't we out there walking over things in victory? That, that promise in Isaiah 54, you only know part of it. We only know part of it. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Have you ever read the rest of it? It says, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. 
and you, you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage. This is your inheritance. This is what you get from God. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me declares the Lord. No weapon formed against you will prosper. I want you to hear that because it's personal. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Here's the reality. There are some of you out there that are fighting some very personal battles because Satan knows what buttons to push with you. He knows what your buttons are. You're fighting some very personal battles. And some of the rest of us, we don't understand that. We don't see it. Some of those battles are deep inside, and we don't understand them because they're your battles. They have been personally, those weapons have been specifically designed to get you, to attack you. And so the rest of us don't get it. That's one of the reasons why we need to be together. That's one of the reasons why in Hebrews it says, do not forsake the assembling together as some have done, but do it all the more as you see the day approaching. Because as you see the day approaching, those weapons come against all of us. I'm going to start preaching here in a minute, so hold on. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Some of you are fighting some very personal battles with some very powerful weapons. But let me ask you, are those weapons going to prosper? No. Some of you are fighting depression. Can depression prosper over you? No, depression is not going to prosper over you. Trish, can autism prosper over our family? Can Alzheimer's? No, Alzheimer's. And some of us fight that battle. That's a tough one. That's a difficult one when we start to see our friends, our loved ones fighting that battle. Can cancer prosper over you? So keep calm and carry on. Can MS prosper? Absolutely not. MS cannot prosper over you. Some of you made some pretty bad mistakes in the past, and you made some very, very poor choices, and you are still living with those choices. Can those bad choices prosper over you? Can grief prosper over you? Can any weapon formed against you prosper? No. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither heights nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you remember that for me? Can you remember? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Tomorrow morning when you're putting your shoes on, I don't care if they're your big boots or your little shoes, whatever. When you're putting your shoes on tomorrow, can you remember the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. If you forget everything else I've taught you in Romans, can you please remember that? Can you remember that? So tomorrow when you're tempted, 
when you're tempted to give in, when you're tempted to give up, when you're tempted to listen to those that want to divide us and those that want to cause problems, the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Stop living in fear. Don't give up. You have that promise. And so at the very end of this letter, Paul can't help but burst out with doxology. Do you remember doxology? Doxology is that spontaneous burst of praise. The word literally means glory words. And it's, it's the second time that it's happened in Romans. And it's not just a nice way to end a letter where Paul says, well, let's give him something positive to, to end on. It's not just a nice way to, to end a letter. It is the overflow of his heart as he thinks about his friends in Rome, as he thinks about their commitment to him and their commitment to the gospel, their commitment to Christ, as he thinks about his commitment back to them and the work they're doing together to spread the gospel, Paul cannot hold himself back from praise. And he says in verses 25 through 27, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God. Be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. You think we could do that for each other? You think we could inspire praise? in each other? Do you think we can inspire glory words for each other? Do you think there, there, are times, there are times when our hearts just suddenly come alive with, with blessing because we realize just how blessed we are by each other? And we have no choice but to, to break out in praise. I want that for us. I want to be so, I want to, I want to hear about your victories. I want you to send me really long thank you letters. I want to hear about your victory so that we can do that together, so we can rejoice together. I want to be so filled with joy over your victories that I have to tell God about, that I have to shout about it, that we have to sing about it, that we have to overflow with praise. And it's not just about you and me. This entire letter, this entire last four months that we've been going through Romans, it's, Roman, Romans, it's, it's been all about Jesus about what he did for us on the cross, the reality that, that you and I sinned. And in our sin, we fell short of God's standard. We fell short of the glory of God. And because we fell short, we deserve death. But God would not leave us there. And though the wages of sin was death, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And when you made that commitment to him, when you decided to, to bury that old self in baptism, you, you suddenly realized now there is therefore no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So, let me ask you this. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? If He gave us His Son as a sacrifice, will He not give you victory? And will He not along with Him give you all things?
where you can trample over sin, you can trample over temptations, you can trample over everything that holds you back so that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. you got to sing about that. We've got to sing about that today. We're going to sing Victory in Jesus. You're familiar with the song? It's an oldie. It's a goodie. There's people here that may not know that they've got victory in Jesus here. Maybe they haven't gotten that victory yet. Maybe they aren't aware that that's there. Maybe they don't know that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under their feet. Can you sing it today like you really believe it? Can you sing it loud? Can you let me hear that you really have victory in Jesus? And if you, if you want that victory, if, if you have not walked away from those things, if you've not gotten that victory for yourself, not giving yourself to Christ, if you need to, we want to pray for you. We want to help you. We want to be there for you. Our feet are ready to help you stomp on anything that gets in your way. If you need to come forward and let us pray with you, we, we would love to do that. Let's stand together as we sing of our victory.